schedule at least you can leave about Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of the all-new Leverage Masters with co-hosts Gina Gaudio-Grace and Ken Crow. Today we have a fantastic guest I'll get to in just a minute, but where in the world are you this week, Ken? Uh, I am in Bangkok, Thailand tonight. It was tonight for me. Uh, and Gina, you are back in the old FLA, aren't you? I am. Enjoying our wonderfully gorgeous weather. Awesome. And we'll find well, out where our guest is, is from in just a minute. Well, shall we shall we introduce him? We shall. So our guest oh, today well. <laughs> is Ken Radis, who is a best selling author, speaker, radio show host, and hospitality consultant and trainer. He specializes in helping businesses, owners, and managers in the hospitality industry learn how to create and meet the highest standards in leadership and customer service. And I am really looking forward to learning more about him and his three-horse philosophy. So welcome, Todd. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it. So what the heck is a three-horse philosophy first? Well, the three-horse philosophy is uh, kind of my life's philosophy, and I wanted to distill it down to a – a metaphor that people could get their minds around real easily and remember. So the three horses are your desire, your passion, and your persistence. So we have to discover what our desires are, apply our passions to it, and be perseverant, uh, 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 persistent whenever we run into blocks or things that hold us back. And then the rest is the, the chariot, which is your purpose, the rider, which is you, the reins, which are trust and faith, and the wheels, which are your minor goals that are always leading to that major purpose in your life. Uh, and sometimes we don't know what that major purpose is, so we pick a big goal. Uh, we set a, a massive goal, and, and eventually that, that purpose in life comes out. And a lot of times we already knew it, but we're just not working towards it. I love that. Don't so, you, Ken? It's great. So when people come to you uh, for for assistance, for inspiration, for results. What typically is their biggest challenge? What what do you you typically there to solve, Todd? uh, I'm always going to see mindset challenges. Um, And that's kind of how I I waylaid my two businesses together, my personal coaching with my business coaching. And I did specialize in hospitality and customer service for my entire career. But at the same time, I was, you know, I was a problem solver in businesses. So that's, that's why I do the, uh, the entrepreneur coaching and help people save businesses that are failing and so on, because it all ties in together and it all comes back to your mindset. And, and, you know, I have my favorite saying, and it's at the end of my radio show, you will, you will be what you believe you will be. And, and that's, that's the absolute truth. If you believe you're going to fail, I guarantee you're going to fail. And if you believe you're going to be successful, you'll find a way to do it. 
no surprise there. So let me ask you this. Why, why hospitality? That tends to be a very unique industry uh, filled with different, different challenges. And so I'll, I'll even ask you that. And why hospitality and with the mindset challenges, is there anything different about the people in hospitality? Are, are they uh, more, I'm going to say it in a really tacky way, are they more messed up or messed up in different ways than, <laughs> than others that are in, you know, in, in, in different industries? Well, fortunately, they're no more messed up than the rest of us. Um, that's okay. just a different it, – it, that's where my specialty was for 30 years was in hospitality and customer service. But it's all business challenges. I'm sorry. You, so you spoke up. Am I still here? Sorry. Yeah, I, I thought I was yeah. breaking up. I heard some background noise. No, I'm sorry about the motorcycle in the background. I'll mute. <laughs> Is, is that what that was? <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, no, no I'm, business. I'm not supposed to have the background noise, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, but when it comes down to it, they're, they're no more messed up than the rest of us. They're, they're actually just, they have, a, they have a greater challenge than a lot of business people do because their goal is to please the customer personally, in person, hands-on right then. When a lot of businesses, you know, GM has let's just let's just use cars. They, they you know GM, Ford, whatever. Any of the major car dealers, they have a sales rep. He's the person that interacts with the customer. The primary business of building the cars, none of those people interact with the customers, except in their personal lives. But when you're in hospitality, you're interacting with the customers almost the entire time you're dealing with them. Uh, you know, restaurants with the waiters, waitresses, the the front end people, the valets. You know, I, I've I've been a manager and had leadership positions in all these businesses. You know, I started in a, uh, as a, an assistant bar manager, and became a, a you know the the main bar manager and then the front end manager, and I worked my way up. Then I went over to retail and sales, and I always liked the challenge of learning a new industry. So I ended up having these leadership positions in about nine different industries, but most of them were, I kept coming back to customer service and hospitality. And that seemed to be where my, my greatest strengths were as a field manager. Now, are you typically dealing with, with, uh, I mean, hospitality is kind of a big, big area, right? You've got hotels, you've got restaurants. Um, mm-hmm. I, I guess nightclubs might come under that, under that too. What's, what's the typical business that you deal with in hospitality? Because I hear that word all the time, and it sounds so nebulous to me. And I travel a ton. So, <laughs> well, you know, if you travel a lot. Everybody's like hospitality. Yeah. Yeah, well, hospitality, is, in my opinion, is probably one of the biggest industries in the country. And a lot of people relate it just to hotels or restaurants, that, that one-on-one hospitality. But if you get out, it's valet services, it's cab drivers, it's limo drivers. It's anybody who's providing a direct service for a customer and usually on the convenience end. But you don't get a hotel because you want to spend the money on a hotel. You get a hotel because you need a place to sleep and you want to be comfortable. Right. So exactly. it's changing that mindset exactly. to that customer's so, here and, and paying me money. That customer's here to have a comfortable night. You know, if you're at a restaurant, they want good food and nice service. They want, to, they want people to be good to them when they're in there. And, of course, you know, one of the biggest challenges is you always have the people who come in and want to mess up your world. They're in a bad mood and they want you to be in one with them. And once you can get staff and management and so on <laughs> yeah, to get past yeah, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you 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 start to create a a very good environment because all the people around this nasty person will will have empathy for the person who's handling it properly. And now you've made their experience better, even though there's this one nasty person, say at a, at a table in a restaurant. Um, and you, do you, you find, can relax do you find everyone clients, around there. 
Do you find the clients oh. in these industries want to pay want to pay more or less for your services? You know, it it seems to me that that hospitality's margins are not necessarily as as great as other businesses, and I may be wrong about that. Um, but are you are you mm-hmm. finding it to be you know as you've chosen this industry an easier business to to profit in or or more challenging? I think it's a, I, I think it's a challenge to set it up properly, but once you do, you can actually. You can be the highest priced person in the in the area and still have your place packed. And and that's because of the customer service and hospitality you're providing for your customers. And and the perfect example, you go into any Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, ahead. Sorry. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was good. You you I was actually I was actually asking about your business, not not your clients' businesses. You know, because you took that this specialty and it just seems to me from what little I know about these businesses in, in interfacing with them, they're, they're not that, always that open to opening up their checkbook to pay for a consultant. So that's where I was. That's where I was asking you: is, is how difficult is it to to gain clients in these businesses in these areas? Uh, it's not that difficult. I mean, because of the rates that consultants get, you know, we make a lot of money for a few customers. But our goal is to, my idea is, is 10X in five. If what you spend on me, you don't 10X in five years, then my price is too high. So if I come in at, a, say, $100,000 for a year of consulting, you, you better make 500000 more over the next five years. And then I'm well worth the money. Gotcha. And, uh, uh, yeah, I would say. And that's, that's, a nice, that's a nice number for sure. <laughs> um, so, for, so now, so mindset is, it tends to be the issue, the issue for – the main client. What what do you, what's the biggest um, implementation challenge that you have? So now you got a mindset. How do you how do you kind of change your mindset and then and then translate that into the to the to the company so that it, it continues through? Because you know if if the the rank and file you know, get on an airplane and the flight attendants suck, then the whole trip's going to be miserable, right? Same kind mm-hmm. of thing in a, in a restaurant or in the hotel. Um, and I, I mean, and I've had the most incredible hotel experience. Is when there has been just even a a, a uh, chambermaid person. That's the wrong word to put to, for that person. But I had a guy actually leave me a thank you note in my room uh, at a Marriott here in in Asia, and I'd never seen that ever before. Where it was thank you for right. staying with this type of thing. That was the most amazing service I've ever seen. How do you convert that? How do you get get all the you know all the ducks to follow? Well, the the amazing thing is all you have to do is get the head duck to do what you want them to do. Um, if you can get the, the highest manager in the particular location, now, I mean, this does go all the way back to say corporate office and you've got somebody training, yeah. but we'll just focus on one location because it's easier. So if you get the head manager, uh, say, at a restaurant, to start treating everyone, starting with the employees, the way they want that customer treated, that just naturally rolls down. And, you know, that was uh, once I had figured out that formula and, you know, I was a district manager for uh, for some valet services in in Philadelphia, I, I, I started getting written up by the paper for having the best valet services in the city. And I actually did not have the cheapest wow. garages. I was usually wow. the highest price point on the street and I packed them every day. Huh. Because you'd be That's surprised. Awesome. The guy's got to come to work five days a week. And he's going to park in your garage. And if he's greeted with a smile... And a hey, and, and somebody knows their name. That experience just went through the roof compared to the guy down the street who throws a ticket at you and tells you get out of the way, we've got another car coming. Oh, it's absolutely true, absolutely true, no question about it. 
No question. So about if it. you apply I mean, just, those same principles to any business, because every business has to service a customer, because that's what businesses do. We solve problems. If you can find a problem and you know how to solve it, then you can create a business. So even when we're selling goods, when we're selling retail goods, we're, we're solving problems, actually. So the customer is coming in to have a problem solved. So if you view all customers in that aspect, you can better relate to them and you can be more empathetic, and that will just come through naturally. And that customer will feel that. What, what's your biggest success story you know, or your biggest transformation? We all love to hear those stories. <laughs> uh, in my business or for me personally? Well, you know, let's start with business side of it because we're talking about the businesses. But yeah, we can we can talk about the transformation and how you got from from you know how you how you got the business and how you've grown your business. But I'm just curious as as to as to the the, the most challenging transformation, the most satisfying transformation, the one that's going to inspire us and go, damn, we should do that too. <laughs> uh, it was actually when I was uh, working as a district manager in Philadelphia. I changed the the company's entire profile and, and how we handle, we, I, I had the concept that when you come into, and it was valet services at the, my last job, I ran 17 people. It was the last management job I ever had. From that point out, I've owned my own businesses and we spent eight years building my wife's business. So that's a pretty big success story. But when it came to the customer yeah. service, I brought this idea in the customer service was the important part. So the, when I first went in, I would ask the guys, what, what do you do? And they'd say, oh, we drive cars. I'm like, no, you provide valet services and customer service. Parking cars is incidental. So once we got that mindset into the employees underneath me, what they were doing is they were taking care of the customer's property. And because they were taking care of the property, we had lower damage claims. We didn't park any, you know, we parked a few more people because the customer service was, was brought up, but we were able to raise our prices because people's cars weren't being damaged. And a lot of people oh. are unaware. In, in valet services, you're not insured. You can't afford the insurance. So you have to have a fund to pay for damages when your employees damage somebody's car. So if you can simply reduce... The damages. So, see, I'm solving the problem. Why? How can we make more money? But when, even though the garage is full. So, so we tack the problem with we do less damage. How do we do less damage? We change employees' minds. Wow. Cars are providing how, how a valet that, service. So, how did that translate in from from start to finish? So, you, you came in. There's a problem. How much money are they losing on damage? Oh well. I took the I took the area from from 250 a year to 2.5 mil, and that's they were spending about 1.8 a year in profit. Well, it comes right Holy out of the profit mackerel. line. Yeah. Well, you have 17 locations. Wow. You're parking, you know, 10, 15 thousand cars a day. Those little those little damages start to add up, and you have one or two big ones with a high end muscle car or, you know, one of these exotic yeah. cars, and you're out a lot of money fast. Yeah. So, now, can, you, can you tell us who the company was? I used to live in Philly. I might know it. <laughs> well, they're out of business now, but it was it was Five Star Parking at the time. I know the name. Yeah, I lived in Philly. Yeah, long they time were ago. all over the place. And, and, I, and then I was I yeah. was also with with another parking company, which I'm not going to mention, uh, just because I don't know if they're okay with that or not. But yeah, <laughs> okay. Five Star was my right. last one. I loved that place, and it was a great job because I came in and. Uh, I had solved a bunch of problems at the other place, 
and then the uh, co-owner and the manager for or the uh, the leader here for the East Coast wanted to bring me in in Philadelphia and gave me half the city. And we were able to do some pretty amazing things. And it was a sad day when the business sold off and they got rid of everybody. Cause, so see, they didn't see value in what I was bringing. What they wanted was hmm. cheap people who park cars. Yeah, and, and they weren't looking at the, at the bottom line, obviously. Right. So now, now you had a, now here's the thing. You made a transformation of mindset of the employees. And so you kind of leverage person after person. What, what did you have to do to get the people working there to actually give a damn about their cars and so that they wouldn't trash and damage and so you would save, you know, what was it, um, you know, $2 million effectively of, or, or make an extra $2.2 million. How did you – how, how do you change their, their attitude? Well, I'll tell you how you make them give a damn. You've got to got to do it yourself, and that's where my business comes in. You, I, I come in, I show you how to do it. Um, but it's really simple. It's so simple you have to hire me to do it. Let's put it that way. Or you've got to get somebody else in there because it's, it, here, here's how simple it is. Treat the employees like your family. And they'll treat your customers like your family. And don't treat them like Uncle Joe when he's drunk. Interesting. Very interesting. Very, very and, interesting. And it, it does. So it cycles you... right down. Huh. So now how did you expand that I mean, from, from something as, I'm use the word pedestrian, something as basic or simple as, as, as a car lot, right, which, which mm-hmm. valet services sound so much more sophisticated, uh, from a car lot to the, the balance of hospitality and restaurants and hotels and so on. How, how are you able to expand that? Well, it, it, because it's the exact same thing, it's just a different venue. You know, how you treat people doesn't change between the industries. Yet people think they do. And this is this old draconian mindset that, you know, I hate punch clocks. I think punch clocks are a waste of time unless you have a business that opens at a certain time. Then somebody's got to be there to man that business. But other than that, I would rather go on performance-based. Yeah, if, I, if I tell you I'm going to give you 800 a week if you do this, 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 and this, and you get all that done, I'll give you 800. If you don't, I'm going to challenge you 800, like, a, like an independent contract. The 800 is okay. done by Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Am yeah. I right? But if you, if you say you've got to be here 40 hours a week to get it, you're going to get a lot less for your money. Do you think you could so go it, work for the government and help them figure that out too? <laughs> they're, no, they're the worst, actually. My last job was at, at the Veterans Administration, and I just could, I went over there more to help. I wanted to help my yeah. my fellow vets, and um, yeah. I just I I did it for about eight months. I couldn't take it anymore. It was the most uh, draconian, unorganized mess ever. I'd never worked for a bureaucracy before, but uh, I mean, I could definitely teach their leaders my concepts. The the question is, will the bureaucracy allow them to implement them? There's too many hands in that pot. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the challenge of of, of that whole scenario. But but yeah, you know, it it does it does also vary. Who who is your ideal client now? You know, if you're going to pick your ideal client, who would it be? My ideal client is the business that's uh, teetering. There's a point in every business where you're right on the verge of, of accelerating and taking off or completely crashing and burning. So my ideal business is to come in on that one that's, that's climbing up that hill and almost getting there, and they feel like they're going to fail. 
because I can attack that mindset very quickly, and then I can help implement a lot of these things I've done in some of these other businesses to cut costs, increase profitability, uh, and, and improve uh, interpersonal relations in the office and with customers. And you, you, you bring these few things together, and that business will survive. Because you're getting to that teetering point. You've laid in the foundation. You've done the hard work. But part of the process is to do the hard work and then get through those setbacks just before you go over the edge and, and make it. Interesting. Now, do you, do you stay into these, into these, with these clients? Is it a fee plus a percentage of, of their gain, or, do you, or is it just a flat fee that usually, that's part of your model? It depends on the situation. Like some clients are right there. And uh, they may not have the money to pay me for six months. They, they might have the initial consultation, which is, you know, it's nice. It's a month worth of uh, coaching and on-site evaluation. But if you want to continue further, this, this whole thing takes six months to a year and a half to implement, um, especially if you're in the customer service industry, because cause it, it'll take me being on-site more than once. But the smaller businesses... If, if they're almost if they're almost not there, you know they're about to fail, and they don't have the money to pay me. There are some other situations. If I think the business is worth it, I'll put some time into it for for an interest in the business. So, well, so that you raise an interesting concept. The, there's the teetering on the brink of failing, and those are about to make it. It seems mm-hmm. to me that you've got potentially more risk of the guys that are about to go out of business, but maybe even more motivation because it's like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm on oxygen now. Do you, do you, do you have a preference for which kind of kind – because of, they seem to be both in two completely different places, and, and is and one is more risky than the other two? Um, it, it depends on how solid your evaluation is of the business. Um, I've always gone into it with the idea, if I'm going to come in and help somebody, if they fail, it, what my evaluation was wrong. I wasn't able to help them. But at the same time, I'll, if I recognize that quickly, I will find another consultant to bring in on my dime. You know, so if I go, wow, this is something I have no idea of, of how to fix this, but I know somebody who does. So I call them, bring them in for a day, and they guide and, me, and then we get what I'm hearing is, paid. and these aren't fast fixes, it sounds like, because you're talking six months to a year in terms of, of right. a time frame. It is, it, yeah. So, it, well, that's why I get a big kick out of about. these. these well, I, I can tell you one thing. I get a huge kick out of these rehab shows because my wife one time, she said to me, she said, Don't, isn't that what you do? I said, yeah. She said, how come it takes you a year? It only takes them a week. I said, because that's yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my question. That's, that's my yeah, question. They, tell me, tell me what, how is it that, that, why are you so damn slow and they can do it so kind of television? <laughs> well, because they, if, if you notice, they have a high failure rate after they walk away. They might be at 50%. Really? Yeah, they go that. back and they, you know, they go back and do these highlight shows. Remember, they shot 22 episodes. They got 10 people who made it, and that's who they talk about. It's, it's it, their rate. Their rates are high because, I, in my opinion, what a really good consultant does is he actually consults you through the whole process, and you do the work. It's like with your kids. Yeah. If I come in, if I come in and do it for them, they don't learn anything. But if I come in and say you need to do this, 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 and this. And then I, I do accountability. Hey, we agreed we were going to have this done in two weeks. Are we there? Why not? That's what, you know, that's what a good consultant does. He's holding you accountable. He's a lot like a personal coach. He's coming in and going, okay, did we do this? We didn't do this. So this, we were doing this because we needed this. We're not going to get this because you never did this. 
And once the, the owners and the management start doing these things, they're going to be able to keep, continue doing them. With these rescue shows, they go in and they, they, they rehab the whole place for them, give them all new equipment, yeah. which is great and will help some of them survive. But at the same time, their, their training was short. It was a week. Now, if I tell you something today and you go and you do run your business for a week, I'll bet you have a question. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, so yes. yeah, life's not scripted. I mean, those shows are fun and, it, they, you know, they're exhilarating. But, yeah, my, my wife has asked me that question. How come it takes you a year and it took them a week? Well, for one, I'm not dumping a million and a half dollars into rehabbing their business. That's up to them. Yeah. So typically, how big are their problems? I mean, or or, or well, if you watch those shows, I I run into, I run into similar things, maybe not as extreme, but the problems are almost always on some kind of miscommunication or failure to have a proper system in place, or the unwillingness to use a system. Like, I mean, if you're willing to use a system, I can get you through the heartbreak of building it. Because the building of the system is the part that stinks. But to my point, if you build your system, who knows it best? You. If I build your system, you don't know it. And if you weren't willing to build your own system, why would you be willing to read mine and, and implement it? So I'll teach you how to build your system and get you through the, yeah, just suck it up and get it done part. But in the end, you own the business. You know your system best, and that's how it should be. That's that's a hundred percent true. That's and and I would say that is probably one of the one of the most important things people need to take away from this interview is exactly that. Now we're we're kind of getting close to the to the end of of our time. I want to make sure Todd that people can reach you to be able to save their businesses they need to be saved, you know, <laughs> um, and, and get more information on what you're doing. And, and, and I also want to hear about your book, too. So why don't you tell us first of all how to, how to get a hold of you, and then tell us about your book. Okay, well, it's really easy. It's uh, toddradus.com. That's toddradus.com. Uh, right on the main page, you're going to find links to the book. You're going to find uh, links to the radio show, and you're going to find links to contact me for coaching and consulting. So everything's right at uh, toddradus.com, T-O-D-D-R-A-D-U-S.com. And what else did you want to know? (laughs) Tell us about the book. Tell us about the book. Uh, uh, The book is a a lifelong passion. I I wanted to write a book for a very long time, and and I've always written, like, instruction manuals, enjoyed teaching. So the whole point of the book was to bring the philosophy to success. For those who are already into it, you're going to recognize names like Dale Carnegie, Wallace D. Waddles, uh, Napoleon Hill were all big uh, mentors of mine through readership, and I kind of formed my life's philosophy around that, and that all started back when I was 16 with Zig Ziglar. So this book's kind of like how I came up with this life's philosophy of success and happiness, of which I have both. So it teaches you a lot, too. Don't base your success on what other people tell you success is you got to base it first on what you believe success is. Um, some people don't want to be billionaires, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, some people don't want to be millionaires, but we should be able to have the things that we, that we do want and also be happy at the same time. So what's, what's success to you? 
you. You're successful and you're happy. So what does success mean to you? Success to me is my family, which is rock solid. Uh, the relationship with my wife. I have every, all the physical stuff I, I could ever want. Uh, the one thing that I am striving for that I don't have yet is enough finances to just drop everything I'm doing and travel the world whenever I feel like it. So pretty high goal, but that's where I'm trying to get to financially now. But, yeah, my, it, it's about my family and, and everything that we have together here. And I'll be honest, one of my greatest rewards is to go into a business and six months later have them tell me they don't need me anymore. I, it, that's a success. That's a hit. Having the book out was part of my yes, success. Yes. You know, so it's just, it's life's what you make of it. I've heard that before. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> One of the things I really, teach my I, clients I, is that <laughs> if they start by figuring out the vision for their life first, then their vision for the good they want to do in the world, and then circle back around to business. And instead of just asking what's your vision for business, ask yourself, how can you strategically design the business so that it brings about the vision for your life and the vision for the good you want to do in the world? When mm -hmm. you do it in that order, what you do in business changes a little bit, but it literally causes your life to get the better part of you and your business gets the leftovers. And I can think of all different ways of strategically designing your business so that you get to meet those family goals and travel goals that you've got. So if you ever want to call with me, I'm totally game for that. <laughs> well, I, always, I, I actually tell people quite often you need to combine your soul work with your work work. With your with your money work, absolutely. And once you do that, you'll be you'll be much happier. And that's exactly what this business I have now is. I left my job uh, a few years ago to do this, and it's and it's been a success run ever since because I never thought about the money. My, money wise, money awesome. wise, my that's family's awesome. fine. Yeah. yeah. So it was just well, go out and do so what I love doing. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you. you so much for joining us today. And. Guys, remember you can visit him at Todd T O D D Radus R A D U S dot com. And we'll be back same time, same place next week. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Thank you. You have a great week. Tune in next week for another Thanks. episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters. Thank you.